Why, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. You're listening to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. Today, I want to share with you a holistic approach to identify who needs the most ergonomics help in an organization. Stay tuned and let's jump into this. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. I've said on this podcast before that I truly believe that there's this misconception about ergonomics that many organizations have that it's unaffordable. And that whole idea of it being unaffordable means that we're not getting the reach and the impact that I know all you guys desire if you're anything like me. It's our passion and we want to help people. I want to share with you a cost-effective tip today that takes a lot of different factors together for us to figure out who needs the most help in an organization. Of course, this is an effective approach to immediate cost and really identify to those people who need our help. I've talked about discomfort surveys before, and this is a system that uses a discomfort survey, um, but it also used, like I said, a, a number of different variables. I'm going to walk you through how to use this approach. I use this approach a lot when I managed an organization's in-house ergonomics program, and I believe this is where I really perfected the system. First, to give you a good idea of how I use this, I want to start this with a really nifty example. Um, we have Peter, we have Kathy, and Ed in the office. First of all, without using a discomfort survey, all three people would have equal access to get an office assessment, and it would be very much a first-come, first-serve system. This system creates a bottleneck for those who have a lot of discomfort to be seen. And it could technically be a really long time for someone to reach you, the ergonomics professional, who actually had a lot of discomfort. So that is a significant amount of risk, especially if we are trying to prevent workplace musculoskeletal disorders from occurring in the first place. Now, when it comes to any ergonomics program, the meat and potatoes or the foundation of it is prevention. Of course, we have to usually start with mediating those risks that and those situations that are already out there. We got to we got to put the fires before we can shift to prevention. But we want to gradually shift to prevention and that's the purpose of it. So, if you have a you don't have a strong focus on prevention and any ergonomics program, then obviously the program's not going to be as effective, as effective as it could be. So back to my example. So we have Peter, we have Kathy, we have Ed. If they all have equal access to getting an office assessment, but in reality, Peter was actually in the most discomfort. Kathy and Ed were merely looking for a proactive type of assessment. 
Now, don't get me wrong, proactive assessments are an important aspect to any organization's ergonomic program, but if you are scheduling based on the priority of symptoms, those who have the most discomfort and a couple other variables should likely be assessed maybe even within a couple of days or sooner. All others should be planned um, and seen in the upcoming weeks or or whatever the relationship you have with the workplace. Or maybe there's other solutions you can put in according to your value ladder. I believe it's always a systematic approach. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of a discomfort survey is that by putting discomfort surveys into um, an organization's injury prevention process, at least there is something to work with. So I guess that's the first step, the most low-hanging fruit, is work with your organizations and identify some sort of process. And it is as simple as putting in a discomfort survey. And this is something that can be conducted by you, and it could be a quarterly review of who needs help. And there's two ways that you can get connected for assessments. And those would be people, first of all, who have self-identified that they needed to have an ergonomic assessment and would contact the ergonomics um, consultant. These people took initiative. This could be because they either had enough discomfort to warrant them taking action, or it could have just been from a more proactive perspective. Maybe they were a new hire, or maybe they relocated workplaces, or maybe they want a new piece of equipment or something to that degree. The second way that people could contact you to get an assessment is that people had no idea that their discomfort was at a level that required an immediate intervention, aka ergonomic assessment, but they didn't contact or didn't let their supervisor know or didn't uh, realize there was a system put in place at that organization. I, when I was in situations like this, I would normally only hear about their discomfort after an injury had occurred. And from that point on, we would schedule an assessment. And these were usually um, took a lot more time, demanding a lot more resources. And of course, the time to get that person back to a regular schedule, um, whether or not it was a compensable or non-compensable workplace injury, took a lot more time than the prevention angle. In saying that, let's talk about what we can do to determine priority for an organization. And this is something that you can have written down to share with that organization that you're planning on working with as a method to say that it's not going to be costly. We have a system to identify who needs an ergonomic assessment and have a system to those who will need a more low-cost solution. So right away, this was a huge win for you. There are, there's five different levels here, and each one has, it's very simple, but it's, each one has a different level of variable to determine priority. The highest priority level is for those who have an injury, they already have discomfort, and they have other ergonomic risks and concerns at their workstation. And that's very obvious, right? You have someone who's in pain, who already has an injury, and like we know that there's issues with the work workstation. 
A high priority is when there's an injury, but there's no work discomfort and no other ergonomic risks. A moderate priority is when there's no injury, but there is work discomfort with no ergonomic risks. A low priority is when there's no injury, no work discomfort, but there are ergonomic risks. And the lowest priority is when there is no injury, no work discomfort, and no ergonomic risks. Although this may not warrant an ergonomic assessment, informational products and perhaps a training presentation can be value-add for the lowest priority. So there you have it. Those are the five things that you need to be looking at. It has a combination of whether or not there's an injury, the discomfort, and the amount of ergonomic risk at that workstation. Um, And there's certain ways that you can figure out what the ergonomic risks are, and you can include that in your discomfort survey. So you can see how that's really bringing in as many variables as possible as a method to mediate those costs. Alrighty, so you have the highest priority, high priority, moderate priority, low priority, and the lowest priority. And the whole reason for this is to ensure that we are serving those organizations and those people who work for those organizations with the best ergonomic solutions. So back to our example with Peter, Kathy, and Ed, Peter, who needs the most help, will be able to get it as opposed to Kathy and Ed, who will also get help, but maybe not a full ergonomic assessment, and maybe not immediately. All of this is there for them, and all of it is something that you can share with your organizations that you're working with for them to get better results. So there you have it, everybody. Um, This is something that I think is so valuable, that's so simple, and can get you more work. (laughs) All right, everyone. Take care. Talk to you soon. So if you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo, and you can get started today.